Our reading is 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 9 to 18. On Mount Horeb, Elijah went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a new year and a new sermon series. We're going to spend the next four or five weeks up until the beginning of February thinking about the overall title of Telling Our Story. I'm going to explain why that is, but what we're going to do over the next few weeks is to think about our story as a church, where we've been going, what's been happening, what God has been saying to us. Think about what that means for us now and where he's taking us forward. But we're going to do that by exploring the story of some Bible characters. Today we're we're beginning, we're going to be thinking about Elijah. And the overarching theme for that is hearing God. How Elijah has heard God and how we have been hearing God. So why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this at this time? A variety of reasons. A new year is a good time to actually to take breath to take stock and to think, what is God doing amongst us? Let's remember back. Often, you know, New Year is that time of remembering what's been happening and then thinking forward and with new sense of of commitment to the future. So that's a reason for doing it at this time. Another reason is that we have our church weekend away at the end of this month. And that's going to be a hugely important part of our church life. I just have this real sense that God is going to speak powerfully to us. 
that's almost going to be a hinge that takes us from one part of our journey and helps us into the next part of our journey. So we want to be ready for that. We want to be ready for what God is going to do amongst us then. And rehearsing our story is one way of being ready for that. Another reason is that the PCC has been working on um, our vision. We had a, a vision day last summer. And working out, again, looking at what God has been doing, but thinking, where is he taking us now? And we're beginning to draw up, we started this on Monday, some short-term goals and some long-term goals. And again, we all want to be part of that. We want to be part of the bigger picture. But the PCC has started not with what do we think we need to be doing, but actually by looking back and been watching and observing what God has been doing. Because that's how we hear God. We hear God by noticing what he has been doing. That's one way of hearing and to recognize what he has been doing, and then to be catching up with that. Because if he's already at work in a particular area, that is the work we need to invest in, rather than coming up with a whole lot of projects that are not part of his plan. So the PCC is going through an exercise of thinking, what has God been doing? Where is he at work? And where do we sense that he wants to take us forward? So a retelling and a rehearsing of the story seems a hugely important thing to do at the moment. And I've picked out some themes, and we'll explore those over the next few weeks. But I wanted to start with hearing God, because I think this is actually the most fundamental about any church. How a church hears God is fundamental to how much a church allows God to work amongst it. About five years ago, we had another PCC away day. I was early in post And we had somebody come from the diocese who helped us with an exercise. It was actually called, um, it was about being a healthy church. And we did an exercise called the angel of the church. And it's a tool, nothing special about the angel of the church. But it was a tool to help us think, who are we as a church? Where are our strengths and where are our weaknesses? And it was a really positive day. And there was a sense of of unity in, in how we understood where the church was. And our strengths lay in fellowship and being able to create a community in this place. And we decided that that was a good thing to continue to work on. The advice was that you work on a strength and you work on a weakness. So building our community was a priority in those early days of my time here. Strengthening our fellowship with one another and creating a place that others could come into. That was working from our strength. Our weakness at that point was, was seeking to find out what God wants. Seeking to find out what God wants. We recognized that we were a church that wasn't very strong on that. And that's basically about hearing God. About God at work amongst us. And we saw at that point, and it's quite a salutary lesson, to realize that that was a weak point in the life of our church. So we focused on that And the priorities that the PCC and myself developed at that time was about strengthening our spiritual life, about strengthening our discipleship, our journey with God, about being more open to him, about making sure that we were following God and not going off on our own. Now, it seems quite shocking in some ways that that was a weak point for us, But sadly to say, it's not unusual in the life of the church. 
to recognise, it's good to come to a point of recognising that that's where we were. But there's been a recent survey in the diocese that Bishop Andrew has been working on. And in fact, tomorrow evening, there's a meeting at Emmanuel Stoughton where Bishop Andrew is sharing some of his ideas for the future based on the survey that's happened. 7.45 at Emmanuel Church in Stoughton, Guildford. An opportunity to hear from him the, the results of the survey across the whole diocese, to pray with him and to feed back to him what we sense God is saying. It's a hugely important meeting in the life of our diocese. So if you're able to come tomorrow evening, please do so. But out of that survey, two main hindrances to growth were highlighted. I'm part of the working group that's working with Bishop Andrew on this, and this was really quite shocking to hear. As we asked the whole of the diocese, clergy and lay people alike, what are the hindrances for growth in the church today? And the two major ones, regardless of whether you were ordained or lay, regardless of churchmanship, regardless of whether you were town centre or rural, they were the same. And they were these. A lack of focus on prayer and a lack of confidence to share the gospel. Very similar to where we were saying, we're not very good at hearing God and following his way. As a diocese we are saying, We've lost sight of how we focus on God as our priority, rooted in him with prayer and having a confidence to go out into the world to share the gospel. So we weren't alone. We weren't alone in that sense of recognising that we hadn't become too good or we'd lost sight of or we'd forgotten how to hear God. It's not to say that we'd never done it before, But we'd lost sight for that period of time of what it meant to hear God. And so we wanted to focus on that as a priority. And that was useful for me at the beginning of my time here to say, I know what we're about. I know what we need to do. We need to be serious about hearing God in our own lives and in the life of this church. Let's turn to Elijah. That's our backstory. Here's Elijah's backstory, because we've picked it up halfway through, because we haven't got time to study the whole of Elijah today. So Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible. He's someone who hears God. God appointed prophets to hear from him, to take a message on God's behalf to the people. Some prophets, like Isaiah, we know how they got to be there. We know how God called them. We don't with Elijah. Elijah appears in 1 Kings chapter 17, and it just says who he is, Elijah the prophet from. But we know that as a prophet, his task was to speak, to speak God's word into the situation that he was in. And life was really hard at this time. This is the period of the kings, and at this moment in time is the worst king, really, of all, King Ahab. And although he is meant to be a king of God, he's turned from God. And he's married to Jezebel, who you probably have heard of. And all the connotations when we hear that word Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel were a bad combination. And they were not focusing on God. In fact, they were turning the other way. And they were beginning to turn to other gods, and in particular to the, to the god Baal. And they had around them, particularly Jezebel, their own prophets who worshipped Baal. 
That was a really bad time, and obviously God does not want that to continue. And so he chose Elijah to speak into this difficult situation. And so Elijah went to King Ahab and basically told King Ahab how displeased God was with the way he was living and brought a prophecy, and brought a prophecy that there would be a drought. There'd be a drought over the land for a significant amount of time because of what King Ahab and his wife were doing. Elijah at that point was then instructed to travel to the Kerith Ravine. And he spent time there in rest, drinking from a brook, and he was fed day and night by food that was brought by ravens. God then told him to travel to a place called Zarephath, and he stayed there with a widow. And as he stayed with the widow, there's another amazing story where he saw God miraculously work with a jar of oil that the widow had that should have run out, never ran out. And they were able to be sustained. And when the widow's son died, he was brought to life. So Elijah sees God at work miraculously, still listening to what God is asking of him and doing as God tells him. At this point, God promises rain, and Elijah is told to return to Ahab, but to enter into a competition with him. And we did look at this in the summer when we were looking at our mountain stories in the Bible. We looked at this competition that took place, a confrontation on top of the mountain, where Baal was called upon by King Ahab and the prophets to send down fire, and Elijah called on God to send down fire. And Elijah had made everything sopping wet to make it even more difficult. Baal could not send down fire, but the mighty God did, and evidence that God is God on that mountaintop. After that, Elijah kills many of Baal's prophets and is then on the run. His life is in danger, particularly from Jezebel. He stays in Beersheba. He's absolutely exhausted. And he's looked after by an angel until he's strong enough for a 40-day journey to Horeb, another holy mountain. And this is where we pick up his story. It's on this mountaintop that God tells Elijah to wait because the Lord will pass by. The Lord will come to Elijah, and Elijah will be aware of him. And Elijah waits, and he waits, and he goes out expecting to meet with God. And there is a great and a powerful wind tearing the mountains apart and shattering the rocks. Often we meet God in the most tremendous sense of power, but God is not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Think of what Elijah has been doing up until now. It's been really powerful moments of confrontation, of danger, of high-powered activity balanced with times of rest. But God is not in any of these things. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God is not in the earthquake, wind or fire. God is in that gentle whisper and Elijah knows he's there 
and he covers his face because he knows he cannot be there without his face covered. He knows immediately in that whisper that God is speaking and has something more to tell him. This is an amazing mountaintop experience and a time when Elijah hears specifically from God. It's not the only time he's heard God, as we've heard through that very brief summary through his backstory. But I want us to think about Elijah as somebody who expects to hear God and who does hear God. We've become a church that expects to hear God, I hope, and does hear God and longs to hear God. But we need to continue to learn what that means. It's not enough to say, yes, we know how to hear God. Because then we'll go back into our way of complacency. Then we'll go back into that sense of thinking, yes, we've we've heard God. But actually, we'll just carry on and do these things. We've got to be on the alert the whole time to hear God, whatever he is saying and however he is saying it. And I think there are some lessons that we can learn from Elijah. Firstly, he's used to hearing God. He is a prophet And we assume that there's always some clarity in what God says to him. It's a particular time when God did speak with great clarity to those Old Testament prophets where they knew exactly what God was saying and what they had to do. But what we learn from this is that Elijah expected to hear God. Let's keep expecting. Let's raise our expectations of expecting to hear God for our church and in our own lives. We must never stop expecting to hear God. We might doubt it from time to time. Can we really hear him? Will he really speak to us? But that's where we need to be strong together, to raise our expectations that God does speak. Elijah heard God Because he listened. He heard God and did as God asked, regardless of what it meant. That's lesson two. We've got to be ready to accept what God is saying and to respond to it, even if it takes us out of our comfort zone, even if it involves risk, even if it involves danger. Elijah's life was in danger. But nonetheless, he still spoke the words that God gave him. Are we a church that when we hear, are willing to respond as God calls us to, regardless of what that might mean? Elijah listened. But there wasn't a set pattern of listening. God didn't always speak in the same way, in the same context. And again, there's a risk that we think, well, God's spoken to us in this way before, that's how he's always going to do it. And that's not the experience of Elijah. As I said, sometimes God spoke in great moments of action and activity and high power. Imagine that confrontation on the mountaintop where fire is coming down. You do not doubt that God is there and saying something when he sends down fire and it's visible to all. 
mighty power. You do not doubt that. But he didn't always reveal himself or speak in that way. Sometimes he spoke in the waiting, in the being patient. Elijah had periods of time of waiting. And in those times, God still spoke and sustained him. The miracle of the ravens, the miracle of the angel coming to feed him and to give him water. So sometimes it may be that God isn't shouting at us. It may be that it seems that he's actually gone quite quiet. But it may be he's preparing us for something. As we wait for the next mighty call, he's still working amongst us. And we need to be tuned in to what he's saying at that time. And it might be we need to build our foundations ready for the next stage of the journey. He will speak to us in the times of quiet as well as the times of action. Our passage we looked at today, for me, is the most exciting because God speaks in the unexpected. That's the joy. I think that's the thing that gives me the greatest buzz in my Christian life is that God speaks in the unexpected. He speaks when I'm least expecting it myself and he speaks in the most unexpected ways. I think I've told you about my experience of of really seeing God at work in a cathedral in Salisbury. I'm not going to repeat the story, but if you haven't heard it and want to find out more about it, ask me. But a place where I wasn't expecting to see God at work, I saw him at work powerfully in a couple who were in floods of tears as they received communion. God speaks and makes himself known in the unexpected. But I have to be open to that and prepared for that. If I think, and I I could easily fall into this trap because I'm conscious that I'm aware of God in particular ways and on particular occasions. And I've spoken to you before, I meet God out in the open air and if I'm really struggling with a particular thing, I might go and have a walk on Chinthurst Hill. And in the countryside and in the openness and in the fresh air, I find it much easier to meet God. And so I could assume that that's always going to be my place. It's a special place, and I do believe that God speaks in that. But it's not the only way. He will also speak to me in other situations, in places I'm not expecting him to speak. And I need to be aware of that too. And when he takes you by surprise, it's such a joy. I took a wedding yesterday, and I came over thinking, this is actually, all weddings are special, so don't get me wrong, but this seemed to be a very straightforward wedding. And as I spoke to the bride's mother in the porch, she told me something that I suddenly realised, my goodness me, there's this part of this wedding that I wasn't aware of. There's a backstory here that I didn't know about that shed a whole different light onto the group of people who were meeting here yesterday. And suddenly I saw something completely different from what I was expecting to come over to. And that's such a buzz when suddenly you see God at work in a different way. God was doing a healing work yesterday, which is phenomenal. I didn't know about it in advance and I wasn't expecting it. But I tuned in and I heard a little bit of information that made me think, oh, it wasn't quite what I thought I was coming into. And it all shifted. And God came and spoke in power. Isn't it amazing when God does that? He speaks in the unexpected. But we have to be ready and open to those moments as well. 
We want to hear God. We speak about being a church that wants to hear God. What does that mean for us today? I've told you what it meant five years ago when we recognised we weren't good at hearing God and committed to doing more about that. And I believe we've gone a long, long way. I believe when I look around and see what he is doing, it's because we are more open to hearing his voice. A specific example over the last year is being able to buy a house in the village and having Sarah come and work amongst us. Two things that we took to God with a lot of prayer and a lot of thought and the whole way through saying, God, if this is not of you, make it clear. But if it is right and what you want, will you open the doors? And I've had a couple of conversations over the last few days with people who were remembering back, and this is why it's so good to remember, remembering back saying it was a big thing to buy a house in Wanish. It's a huge thing to buy a house in Wanish, isn't it? And as a relatively small church, to be able to buy a property outright in Wanish is phenomenal. And we sat at PCC and we drew up our wish list and said what we would love is a three-bedroom property in the middle of Wanish that will cost £400,000. And we sat and thought, well, that's not very likely, is it? But that's what we believed God wanted us to have. And we prayed about it. And we bought a three-bedroom property in Wanish for £400,000 and had enough money for the maintenance of that property as well. We heard God and we acted. And we saw the result that gave us greater boldness as we then put out a job advert. And I remember talking to David Welsh. We again had our wish list of what we were looking for in a youth and children's director. Where's Adam? It was high. <laughs> we had such high expectations, didn't we? And we drew up our list and said, what we really believe we need is a person like this. And we said to David Welsh, who works um, youth advisor for the diocese, we said, is this possible? Are there people like that? And he said, yes, they are, but they're rare. And you will need to pray. And we prayed. And we have Sarah, who ticks every box that we asked for. That's what it means to work with God. It wasn't us saying, oh, we think we're great, we would like to be able to do this. We sensed that God was wanting to work amongst us and to do these things. And with hesitation and with boldness, both together, we sought his will, we heard his voice, we prayed, we trusted him, and we laid it before him and said, if this is of your will, will you make this happen? And he spoke. So we're getting better at hearing God. Our expectation is higher. It's pretty high at the moment. There's a real buzz, isn't there? And we long to hear God more and more because we don't want to settle for where we're at. We always want to be on the move. And we've drawn closer to God in our own lives, in our fellowship, in our teaching, in our worship, in our prayer. There's still a long way to go. We can never be satisfied. We want to travel, continuing to go deeper and deeper 
into our knowledge and love of Christ in our lives. And so we need to keep moving, trying new things, moments of quiet and reflection when we hear God, moments of boldness where we step out in faith. Willingness to respond to what we think he's doing. We're doing that this evening with our first cafe church. We're sensing God might be saying something. So we're trying a new form of evening service. And it's a risk because it might not work and it might not be the right thing. But we're going to try it. But not assume that that's it for the next 30 years. We're going to say to God, is this right? And keep checking with him and review and have a sense from him if this is something to keep going on. Elijah heard God, he expected to hear God. He continued to hear God in every different situation. He responded to what God was saying. I long in 2016 for us to be a church that can say this is who we are. We are a church that hears God, expects to continue to hear God more and more, loves to hear his voice, rushes to respond regardless of the risk and sees him at work amongst us in all that he is doing. Amen. In a moment or two, we're going to have our intercessions and Kia is going to lead us in our prayer time. But before she does that, I've asked Kia if she might come and share something with us. As most of you should know, Kia has begun training for ordination, which is hugely exciting. She's completed one term of the local ministry program that's run through Guildford Diocese. And we've heard a lot from her you know, as she was going through the process but we haven't heard as much since she's begun. And this seemed a really good opportunity to hear a bit about kind of what's been happening and, and how she got here. And Kay and I chatted the other day and we felt that she's got a story to tell about how she heard God that led her to here. So before she leads us in prayer, she's just going to share something about her own journey. Thanks, Kia. Well, when Debbie asked me to have a think about this, about how I'd heard God, it caused me to reflect on a couple of years ago. Um, In February, about two years ago, I was really involved in the church, loving what I was doing. I was a church warden, running a home group, um, started up women's group. So there's a lot going on, and I was loving it, being fully immersed. And it got to February, and I felt a sense of restlessness, I felt a sense of, hmm, there's something going on, there's something kind of more potentially that God would like me to do, and that was fine, but I didn't know what it was. So I had, first of all, this sense of restlessness. So I, during this time, I'd, I'd made myself available to God. Before I was church warden, you know, I surrendered to God and said, I'm here, if you want me, do what you like with me, I'm yours. So to begin with, I'd made myself available to him to hear anything that he might have to tell me. And that had led to the church ward and all the involvement, which I say was great. But then they got to this point where there was this kind of inner sense of of restlessness and kind of unease. And also a a degree of wanting to search, of being kind of stirred up to to search and to look at maybe what that might look like. didn't know what. So I prayed. I got two close friends and, well, more than two, actually, but I prayed for these two close friends. 
And uh, we prayed together, and they confirmed that they too felt that maybe there was something else that God had in mind for me. So that was kind of reassuring that I wasn't completely barking mad, that there was something, but they didn't know. So uh, there was no easy answer. There wasn't a big divine here this. So that was a bit annoying. So I waited, and as if anyone knows me knows, I am not patient. Um, I'm very impatient. And I was really kind of going, well, okay, well, I'm, I'm here, I'm available. Here I am, what, what is it? And God just wasn't letting on. So I thought, okay, I'm being taught patience, so I'll be, do the patient thing and wait and learn that um, and pray more and, and all that kind of stuff, which is good. But while I was waiting patiently, I was still searching, so I was online, I was looking at, at courses. I thought, perhaps I need to learn something new. So I looked at doing a theology degree. <laughs> that was scary. Uh, luckily, that wasn't what he had in mind. I looked at diocesan courses. I looked at day, just anything, and nothing was really lighting my fire. Nothing was, was, was sort of giving me that, that yeah, that's it. That's, that's what it is. So I carried on waiting. So then we got to May, um, and it's my birthday, and Guy and I were out with his uh, mother and his stepfather, and conversation turned to Christianity, as it often does. And my stepfather-in-law um, made a throwaway comment, tongue-in-cheek, oh, okay, you should be a vicar, which obviously I laughed off with huge guffaws, as did most of the table. Anyway, this sort of thought wouldn't leave me. And we got home, and I was up to about two in the morning in floods of tears, searching online about ordination, thinking, I can't, really? Really? I felt completely overwhelmed, completely inadequate, and was really telling God in no uncertain terms that he got the wrong person. Um, But at the same token, because I was feeling so emotional about it, there was a kind of a deep truth there as well. I thought, why is this affecting me so much if it's not right? So I turned up on Debbie's doorstep at half past eight after the school run on the Friday morning, and phoned her and said, are you in? And she said, yeah, it's a day off, so I felt bad. I said, can I, can I, can I, uh, can I come and see you? Yes, she said, where are you? I said, I'm in your drive. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned up on the doorstep in floods of tears, and she went, oh my gosh, what's happened? I said, no, everyone's fine, everyone's nothing horrendous, and told her where I was with everything, really, really expecting her to say, yeah, don't, don't be silly. That really isn't, I don't think, what God's saying. Have you thought about X, Y, Z? But, but she didn't. Um, and she got quite excited about the thought. And then we started looking into it. So, looking back, how have I heard God through that? Well, I think to begin with, it was a sense. It was a sense of restlessness. It was a sense of there was something more. I didn't hear an audible voice. And I very seldom do. But it's more than that. It's like it's a, it's a deep, comforting feeling um, in my soul that you just kind of know when something's just right. You just kind of know that feeling. Um, and I still feel overwhelmed and I still feel inadequate. And actually, I hope that that feeling never does go away because if it does, then it means I'm trying to do it on my own. And that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> so I hear God by being open. I'm open and I try and be aware. I I surrender on a daily basis. I go, I'm I'm yours, here I am. I give him time and I give him the opportunity to try and get through to me. And that can be in in lots of different ways. As I say, it it was a sense, it was through people, it was through prayer, and it was through the Bible. 
there was a, 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 a quote, a verse, technical term, there was a verse that kept coming to me, and in fact my, my mother-in-law kept giving it to, to both of us actually, and that was from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that really kept coming back to me throughout that discernment time. And that perseverance, he wouldn't give up on me. It was a repetition. It, was, it wasn't going away. And I think if I'd have buried my head in the sand and not responded to this, I don't think I would have been a very happy person. So that's kind of my story up to how, to being, how I got called, if you like, and, what, and how I heard God. And how he's working through the course, I think is another t- for another time. <laughs> but um, but that's, that's kind of how, how it is so far. Mm-hmm.